Uh, if you want to open up, we're going to be Mark chapter 4. While you're going there, um, kind of the big question of the book of Mark is simply, who is Jesus? A lot of things always end with, who is this man? Or what kind of man is this that does such and such? Or forgives sin, casts out demons, calms storms, has control over nature. And throughout the book of Mark, little, it's like little pieces of a puzzle. I think there was like an 80s game show that you would, the contestant would watch the, this picture and one little piece would come to view and like, as soon as they could, they'd have to be able to guess what it was. I'm not sure if that's real or if I just dreamt it, but I, I think that was an 80s game show. Um, but that's kind of what Mark does throughout his gospel. It's a very fast-paced gospel. It's from one event to another. It's like, doof, doof, doof. And it's for an audience that's just trying to figure out who is this Jesus that everyone is talking about. And slowly the puzzle is starting to be put together. He forgives sins. He has control over nature. You get to the point where like, he is king and God, and then he dies. That's kind of the narration of the book of Mark. It reveals who Jesus is as far as his character and what it means for us, his death, his resurrection. And this story is another pulling back, putting up of this puzzle piece. So we're going to read verse 35 of chapter 4. I'll go ahead and read it. On that day when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the couch, on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. There was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So the first thing we see is Jesus is getting on a boat to go and minister across the Sea of Galilee. Jesus' main objective throughout the book of Mark is not to stay in one place too long. He's, instead, he wants to go and preach Repentance, that the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is here, and then he moves on. Miracles, Holy Spirit empowers, brings about healings, exorcisms. And as crowds gather, he moves on to another place. In fact, there's a part in Mark chapter 1 where the disciples are kind of like saying, Jesus, we've got a good thing going. We've got crowds here. It's going good. We need to leave? Jesus says, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. So that's what Jesus is doing here. He's going across the Sea of Galilee to go and preach the gospel. Now, there's some interesting facts about the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee has mountains around it, but it's also below sea level. So what that means is storms, even today, come out of nowhere. It's kind of like in Albuquerque. Hopefully we'll get some rain. It's like when we get flash floods. They just come out of nowhere, and it's just like pounding. This would do that, but at a more extreme level 
of hurricane, typhoon-like winds and waves. Even today, fishermen and sailors do not want to be on the Sea of Galilee because there's no warning. There's no um, five-day forecast that can predict when these storms will come. And that's what happens here as they're on the sea. A violent storm arises. And we know the storm is violent. In fact, it's unusually violent. And we know this because these guys aren't like a bunch of yuppies just going, you know, on the weekend to go on their little, you know, yacht. These are fishermen. These are blue-collar men. They don't get scared by just little waves or little wind. But they're freaking out. This is a bad storm. There's many boats around. And their response is, they go run to Jesus and they go, Teacher, do you not care that we are preaching? Or perishing? Preaching, perishing. He's on a cushion, not a couch, too. <laughs> so they're freaking out. It's, this is like, we're going to die. This is it for us. The mission's over. And our leader's asleep on the stern. And in these boats, these boats... These boats weren't like the Disney Carnival Cruise Line. I mean, it wasn't like five levels down, Jesus is asleep in a cabin. He's right there. The stern was just this little plank right here, and he would be right under it. So he's not that far away. They can just kind of go, well, he's still asleep, and we're about to die. And what's interesting is in their panic, they look at their leader asleep, and this is the only time in the Gospels that tells us that Jesus was asleep. This is the only thing that tells a time where it's explained that Jesus slept. Now he slept, he was a man, he tired, but this is the only story that actually tells us he was asleep. Sailors respond, I mean, it's honest, it's blunt, it's a little sarcastic. Do you not care that we are perishing? It says, he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. This very human needing rest, Jesus wakes up and his divinity is on full display as he turns to the storm and to the sea and says, peace, be still. Doesn't do any kind of incantation. Doesn't say, I need this and this and this. I need to do a dance. He just goes, and it obeys. Now, it's one thing for the wind and the rain to stop. In Albuquerque, during the monsoons, you could probably go out after 10 minutes of hard rain and go, stop. There might be a chance it stops, because that's how it works here in Albuquerque. <laughs> but if you're on the sea, the rains and the wind may stop, but the waves will still go for a while. And it says, it all stopped. The rain stopped. The wind stopped. The sea stopped. It obeyed perfectly and immediately. Jesus then turns to the men and rebukes them, saying, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? He's not rebuking them because they don't believe he can stop it, but because they believe at that moment he doesn't care. I mean, he's asleep. This storm is overpowering veteran sailors. They don't know what's going to happen. 
And they look at their leader and he's napping. They're doubting his care for them at that moment. They're doubting his love for them at that moment. I think we can get that, right? I mean, sometimes we look at the disciples, I think, in our self-righteous hearts. I know I can. go, oh, silly disciples. Ye of little faith. I would have been like, Jesus got this. Don't worry, guys. No, I wouldn't have. Because I, I, I know myself when I hit turbulence on an airplane. But we get this when we hit a trial in life. Sickness. The loss of a job. Relationship. It's going down, downhill quick. Maybe just natural disasters like real storms like we see on the news. And we go, Jesus, where are you? God, where are you in this? Are you asleep? Do you not even care? We we may not speak it, but in our hearts we feel it. So we can understand where these disciples are going, where they're coming from. And what Jesus is saying in this rebuke is that his love, his presence, does not mean storms and trials will not come. What it does mean, though, is that he won't abandon us in them. We are called to trust his purposes in them. Doesn't mean it's going to end the way we want it to. Doesn't mean he's going to immediately sit up and tell the cancer to go away. Or tell the income to come in. But it means in those moments, he has not left us. And he calls us to trust him. Not what we see, not what we feel, even when everything around us tells us the opposite. Storm and the sea calm. It says there was a great fear and said to one another, who is this then that even the winds and the sea obey him? Again, there's that question. Who is this? The disciples are even now really scared. I mean, they're really scared. Now they're really scared. Because they're starting to they're like, hold up. We were scared because there was a storm raging. But now we're really scared because the dude that controlled that powerful storm is right here. Who is this? That was powerful. He must be just power. They came face to face the power of God. He wasn't just a teacher, as they, as they called him, a rabbi or a wise sage. This was the one who controlled nature with but just a sentence. There's a similar story that goes along these lines. It's in the book of Jonah. Jonah's in the Old Testament, minor pro- prophet. Um, Jonah is a prophet of God. It means he is a spokesperson of God to the people, for God to the people. God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh. Nineveh is a place of just enemies of God's people. And Jonah's to go there, preach repentance so that they may not perish. Well, Jonah says, well, that's not a good idea. I don't want to see them saved. He goes the opposite direction. Nineveh's in the Middle East. He's going to Spain. He gets on a boat on the Mediterranean, heads out. 
giant storm comes. Jonah's asleep on a cushion or a couch. The, men, the sailors are freaking out too. Come down. Why don't you pray to your God? Pray to your God. Maybe he'll save us. We're praying to our gods. Jonah says, there's only one God. And I know him. And he's here to show me that I can't run from him. He's angry with me. Throw me into the sea and it'll calm. They hesitate for a second. Then they go, okay, throw him in. (laughs) He hits the water. Calmness. And they go, that was, we were in the presence of someone that knew the true God. He is the true, there is a true God, a Hebrew God. And Jesus, in the book of Matthew, calls himself one greater than Jonah. See, Jonah flung himself into the sea. Jesus stood up and calmed the storm. But there would be another storm that would require him to fling himself into. See, Jesus didn't come ultimately to calm that storm on the Sea of Galilee. There's another storm that Jesus was there for. And that's why he says he's the greater Jonah. Tim Keller says this. He says, when Jesus says, I'm the true Jonah... He meant this, someday I'm going to calm all the storms, still all the waves. I'm going to destroy destruction, break brokenness, kill death. How can he do that? He can do it only because when he was on the cross, he was thrown willingly, like Jonah, into the ultimate storm, under the ultimate waves, the waves of sin and death. See, the disciples saw a glimpse of the power of Jesus, the power of God over nature. But they had yet to see the love and the power and the holiness and the justice of Jesus, of God, in calming the ultimate storm that, like Jonah, would require Jesus to sacrifice himself. In the face of that storm, on the night before the cross, Jesus didn't sleep. He was anxious. He was stressed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said he sweated drops of blood. There was so much turmoil in him because he knew the storm he was about to face. He knew the cross that was coming. He knew the wrath that he was about to receive. He was alert. He was awake. Where were the disciples? They were asleep. They didn't understand the storm that Jesus came to calm. They had yet to understand the gravity of what Jesus was here for. Do we do this? Are we like the disciples? Sure we are at times. I know I am. I see the storm in my life. It's right there in front of me. And I am panicked. I am on my knees. I am praying. I am pleading with God to hush it, to bring peace, to bring stillness. And then I think about the cross. And so often I can just run right by it. I am so often 
more overwhelmed by the breezes and gusts of this life and so often have lost sight of the hurricane of eternity that had to be calmed for me to be reconciled with God. What Jesus says to us, to the disciples, is when we understand his love for us, when we understand the love of the cross, when we understand the calming that we had to have before the ultimate storm of God's wrath and justice that he took for us, he took in our place. We understand that love. That love, that cross becomes the anchor for us in the other storms. That becomes the peace. That becomes the answer when we plead, plead to God where he is. He is there. We don't know how it's going to turn out, whatever trials you're in or you're going to be in or you just came out of. Maybe you do know how that turned out. But the thing that's remained the same is God's love that is objectively in front of us on the cross. Tim Keller says, if you know that he did not abandon you in that ultimate storm, what makes you think he would abandon you in much smaller storms you're experiencing right now? Family, do we trust him? Do we remind ourselves daily of the gospel, of the cross, of what our sin is before a holy God and what we deserve truly and deeply as enemies of God by nature and what it took for us to be reconciled to a holy God, to be adopted into the family, to be able to call God Father? Do we understand what it took or do we sleep like the disciples through it? We forget. We run past. That's why we're here tonight. That's why we come in here as one big, messy, awkward family that has been redeemed and saved by the blood of Jesus who will not abandon us, who will not forsake us, who is holding us tightly even in the storms and has his purposes for them. We come to partake We come to remember. We come to remember that we needed his broken body. Take the bread. We needed his blood to be spilled. So we drink juice. Do it in remembrance of him. The calmer of the ultimate storm in our life. We do it to remind ourselves. And then we leave here and remind each other about it. We go tomorrow morning and remind ourselves of it. When the doctor has bad news, we remind ourselves and plead for that to be in front of us before anything else. And when we can't see it, we are reminded by others. We are here tonight to remember the cross. We are here tonight to remember the sacrifice and substitution that him who controlled the storm the winds, the seas, and live the life we were called to live. We can't and won't because we're sinners and rebels. Went to the cross and took our punishment on him. He became sin 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He knew no sin. We come to remember that tonight. We all have different backgrounds. Some can't remember a day without the church. For some, this is the first Lord's Supper that they say, I trust in Jesus. And for both of us, our identity, our hope is found on him who calmed the storm. I'm going to pray, and in just a moment, we're going to partake as a family. Now, if you're in here tonight and you're saying, I'm not sure about this whole thing. You're still, out, you're still asking, well, who is this, Jesus? We love you. We're glad you're here. This is a family meal. This is a meal to remember what Christ has done for us. So we ask that you sit there. No one's going to look at you funny. In fact, we do it in such a way that no one will even know you're sitting there. That you don't get up. We're going to do it in a, however you feel when you're ready. To pray and think about the cross. If you're in the back, the outer rim, if you will, there are two tables right down there, kind of near the cameras in the sound booth. Um, partake both the elements at the table. That means the bread and the juice. Do those together at the table. Just remember. Pray for those around you. Pray for the people you met during the friend time. This is more than just what we do every last Wednesday of the month, but this is a... He calmed the storm. He went before me. That is the only way I'm here. That is the only way I have a Father in heaven. That is the only way for eternal joy. That is the only way I get him. He still loves me and cares for me as I so often just sleep right through it. And he will not let me go in whatever I'm in right now. So let me pray. And as a family, we'll partake and remember. Father God, Thank you. I thank you that who you are is not reliant on how much we trust you, but you just call us to trust you. Father, I pray for us in here tonight, Lord, that we do not take this lightly, what we are about to do. That we remember that we are in awe of a God who has reconciled enemies and rebels to himself through the blood of of your son. I pray even now for those who are wrestling with this truth, with this thought, with this idea. I pray your spirit would break into their hearts and their minds and illuminate them and regenerate them, make them new so that they would say that they trust. They plead the blood of Christ. Father, we don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. We have done nothing to be here. Your grace alone, the work of your Son alone. By the faith 
you give us alone. That's why we're here. You break us and give us humility as we approach this table. We not do it lightly. Any thoughts of getting home early or late or plans afterwards? May those be taken out and may we be focused on you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your son. It's in his name. Amen.